I want to speak this weekend on the subject, don't quit in the dip. Are you going through a dip? Dips come in all shapes and all sizes. They're disappointments in life. In fact, if I was to take the word dip, D-I-P, and make it an acrostic, would it represent in your life D-I-P, disruption in plans? Does that characterize this year for you? You had planned you wouldn't be out of debt by the end of the year. You, you, you were going to be in a new house by the end of the year. You were going to enroll in college by the end of the year. You, you had a plan and there was a disruption. You're in a dip. Could it be D-I-P, disappointment in people? Has, has something happened in an employee, a coworker, a cousin, a son, a daughter? Has something happened in your family circle and you, you say, that's my dip, disappointment in people? Could it be DIP, discouragement is painful? You sometimes can't even put your finger on what it is and you find yourself in a, in a low place, in a dip, and you, you, you get discouraged. You want to give up. You want to quit. You say, what's the use? And you, you try to put a, a, a reason and a cause for it, and you can't say it's one thing. It seems like it's everything in your life. I'm just in a dip. My encouragement today, don't quit in the dip. Discouragement comes in all shades and colors. There's mild discouragement. You know, that's a setback. You were going to do something in it, and it just didn't work out, but you'll recover. Then there's the, the strong discouragement. This is this when it begins to, to turn not from a day or two, but a week or two or a month or two. And then sometimes there can be disabling discouragement to the point you feel like it defines your life. It, it controls you and you can't move past that. And there's some of us that we're in that dip today. Could it be your career you had plans of where you were going to be at this particular time, and it has not worked out. You, you, you were going to have the promotion by now. You're going to have the business launch by now. You were going to be at this point by now, and it just hasn't happened. The economy turned on you. Could it be in your marriage? You, you, you said, and uh, I do, and you thought we're going to live happily ever after, and and now you've been in a season of acrimony. And you said, God, you founded Mary. Why, why don't you swoop in and rescue mine? Help me. Someone said there are three rings of marriage. Engagement ring, wedding ring, and suffering. Some of us are in that last ring of marriage. Yeah. Could it be the single? You have prayed and asked for God to send Mr. or Mrs. Wright. And now you're discouraged. And you're about to settle for Mr. or Mrs. right now. 
You say, God, I, I've, I've held on, and Lord, I've, I believe you were going to bring that, that chosen spouse in my life, and I can't see it, God, and I, I'm discouraged. I'm tired of being alone. It's the couple that have prayed for a baby, and the pregnancy has never happened. And you've believed God gave you a promise in your heart. You've held on to that promise and you believe that promise. And, but you're not seeing the fulfillment of that. May I just say, and I think this is true and you would agree, the devil will always lie to you. When you're in a dip, the devil's going to lie to you. He's going to accuse you. And he's going to say, you're not good enough. And, 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 you, and you were not nice enough. You were not godly enough. You were not righteous enough. He's going to accuse you that the dip is your fault. The devil loves to lie to us. The devil loves to tell us it'll never change. You're in the dip and you will never get out of the dip. The devil will tell you things will never change in your life, but I'm here to say again, don't quit in the dip. God's not done with you. I have pastored for 36 years here, and I've watched people walk through the seasons of life. Even this last season, COVID, I think some of us watched our prescription of optimism expire. And you have got into this mood that, that you used to be hopeful and anticipation and aspiration and you've lost that. The, the worship songs and the, the praise unto the Lord, you've got out of that algorithm. And now you don't sing the songs of praise you used to sing. It's the business person that their partner turned on them and betrayed them. I've gathered with people and we dedicated their business to the Lord, prayed over it, believed it, and they, they said this is the culmination of 10 years of prayer and believing in faith. And then 18 months later, the business closes because they can't sustain it and all kinds of questions and and insecurities and lack of faith and a sense of failure fill their heart. It's the person they feel like they were lied to. Yes. It's, it's the couple that came together and, and they've, they, they've held together and, and, and worked, walked through the seasons of life and all this suddenly, sudden, suddenly one walks in and says, I don't love you anymore. And walks out on them. The deep pain. The false accusation by a co-worker. We can find ourselves in a dip. I want to draw our attention today in Scripture to a man that shares affinity with us for those in the dip. His name is Joseph. Let me tell you about Joseph. Joseph was the younger and he had, he had brothers. And there was jealousy in the family. So the brothers, his siblings, conspired to throw him in a pit. 
to throw him in a pit, sold him into slavery. We call that human trafficking. His own brothers, I dare say that Joseph and his family invented the word sibling rivalry. His own brothers. He was taken into Egypt. And then there was a betrayal against him when he refused to compromise his moral standards. There was a false accusation brought against him and he was put into prison. False accusation. He became the object of cruelty, mistreatment. He was abused. He can relate to you in your pain and it seemed like one thing after the other and one thing after the other came against him. But in Genesis chapter 41, we find Joseph in a different season of his life in which God raised him up and gave him favor. He didn't quit in the dip. And it came time for his children to be born and as was Jewish custom, They didn't go and look online or buy a baby name book and try to find something that just sounds wonderful. They they would name a place. They would name their home. They would name a city. They would name a valley. They would name their children after a name that represented their experience. And Joseph is about to name his first two children And they represent in his life the seasons that he has walked through. Look with me, Genesis 41 and 51. And Joseph named his firstborn Manasseh and said, it is because God has made me forget all my trouble and all my father's household. The name Manasseh means God made me to forget. And here Joseph said, God made me forget all of my pain and all of the misjudgment, all, all of the, the cruelty and the betrayal and the, the disappointment in life. God, God help me forget it and I'm gonna name my firstborn Manasseh and declare God help me to forget it. Verse 52, the second son he named Ephraim and said, it is because God has made me fruitful in the land of my suffering. God's made me happy again. God's made me whole. God's God's returned to me. God's been good. So he named his second born Ephraim. Because God made me fruitful. In just a moment, we're going to share communion. And there's many of us here, we're in a dip, we're discouraged. We've gone through something. There's a scar, there's a hurt in your spirit. And I want you to know before you can ever have an Ephraim, you must have a Manasseh. Before you'll ever be happy, before you'll ever be whole, before you'll ever be what God wants you to be, before you can ever sing the song again, before there will ever be joy, before you become fruitful, you must have a Manasseh. You're going to have to forget and get over the pain of the past. 
Yes. In our lives, we can hold on to the pain or it holds on to us. But to go on, you got to get over it. To go on in life, you got to get over it. And I know it's easy to sit around in the workplace and at home and when you're driving and when you're musing to just rehearse it over and over again. Don't we do that? Don't we do it? Yes, we do it. Can I, can I invite you? The Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit wants to give you inside, not a copy machine, but a shredder. Yeah, he doesn't want you to go on and on and what did I do wrong and God, how did I fail and just always rehearse it. Satan wants you to rehearse all the problems and pains, but the Holy Spirit wants to give you a shredder that you can get rid of that in your life. You've got to get over it. Got to get over it. Quit calling yourself the ex. Quit calling yourself the farmer. Quit referring to yourself. Some of you, you feel cursed on the inside. God, I made a mistake. God, I failed. And there is a date, there's an experience, there's a moment in your life that represents a moment that your life turned. Maybe, maybe it was your failure, your mistake. Can I tell you, don't live in it. Move past it. Let God help you forget. You see, to get over you got to get rid of it. You got to get rid of it. To ever get over it, you got to get rid of it. And some of us, we haven't got rid of it. We tried our best, but we can't get rid of it. I recently came back from Malaysia. In fact, you prayed for me when I was over there a month preaching. I was there 30 days and preached 45 times. I was busy every day. Since I was there a month and it was too expensive to just have a hotel room for a month, we rented a, they call it a flat, a flat. It would be like a small little uh, 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 apartment that you would have. And and I kind of based out of there. It was cheaper to do that for a month than it was to rent a hotel I'm over there for a month, and Denise is here, and it was nice. Had everything I needed. Had a had a little microwave, little refrigerator in it. Had a washing machine so I could do laundry. Now Denise is not with me, so I'm having to do laundry on my own. I said I didn't figure this out, so I went to do my first load of laundry, put it in the washing machine. And I'm looking for detergent in the little apartment. I'm open cabinet doors. I'm going around. And I, I need to do laundry. I've, I've got I to gotta go. Gotta, I, I'm going to be speaking at a minister's conference for three days. I've got to do the laundry today. I don't have a car and I need detergent. I don't know what I'm going to do. Have have stains and need to get them all, my clothes clean and I'm looking everywhere, and I couldn't find detergent. But I found a bottle of toilet cleaner. <laughs> yeah. I said, well, if it'll clean toilets, it's got to clean clothes. 
anything clean a toilet can clean clothes. Absolutely. So I pour it in the washing machine. Turn it on, it's going. So I'm letting it go, and there's 13 hours difference between Malaysia and here. So I called Denise and checking with her the time zone so I can speak and said, Denise, doing fine, doing fine. Babe, I want you to know, washing clothes. Babe, I couldn't find any detergent, so I, I, I used toilet bowl cleaner. She said, you did what? Well, baby, if we clean toilets, it'll clean clothes. You did what? You know, not everything Denise says to me is encouraging. You did what? You did what? Well, I put it in there. She said, you know, that has bleach and acid in it. It's going to eat clothes and holes in your clothes. And you know what? She was right. It did. It did. Eight holes in my clothes. Well, what you do that in, Denise? I got holes in my clothes. You, you ruin those clothes. I said, Pastor Lindsay wears. <laughs> she comes up here on Sundays and there's holes in her clothes. Yeah, she does, doesn't she? Yeah, she does it. There's holes in hers. And so there's, I had a hole in my shirt. And, I had a hole in socks. I got, she said, it's just different. You, you ruined it. Some of us are, are trying to get rid of a stain, a curse, a matter. There is a pain in your life and God wants to give you a Manasseh because if God can give you a Manasseh, God can give you an Ephraim. You can be happy again. And as one songwriter said, what can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. In a moment, we're gonna take communion. That element, that element represents the body and blood of Jesus and he can redeem every stain. He can give you a Manasseh today. He can help you get past the pain. A German artist in the 19th century painted a picture, a painting. It's entitled Checkmate. They're gonna bring the picture up on the screen, this renowned painting. And this renowned painting, the, the German artist paints a canvas of two people sitting at a game of chess. One person, you can see the forlorn, troubled look on their face, feeling like, their plan, their, their checkmate, hence the name of the painting. There's no move, can't do anything. It's over. Nothing can change. It's the way it is. Sitting across the table, the German artist painted a depiction of the devil. And every move 
that the person makes, there's a counter move, a discouraging move, a plan that didn't work out or a prayer that wasn't answered. You see in the background is the image of an angel. Yes, the image of an angel. And the person there feels like their life is in checkmate. However, this painting hanging in a museum and a, and a chess master walked by. I don't play chess, so I can't, I, I can't see, but the trained eye could see something. The chess master walked by and saw on the board, it's entitled Checkmate. But the person playing against the devil, their king has one more move that the untrained eye cannot see. It's not checkmate. He feels like it is, but it's not checkmate. The king, his king still has one more move. I'm here to tell you there may be a pain something told you. It's checkmate. The devil told you. You can't get over it. You can't be healed. You can't move past it. But the king of kings has one more move in your life. The king of kings has not given up on you. The king of kings can still forgive. He can still restore. He can open a door. He can give you a manatsa. Because God wants you to have an Ephraim. Yes. I'm going to invite you to stand together with me. We're going to go into a communion moment. And I'm going to ask our prayer team and our deacon and deaconesses are here to come and stand at the front. Bring your communion elements. If you would, we're going to take communion here. You just come right now. Prayer team, you just come right now. Deacon and deaconess, you come. Just stand right here. Yes. Bring your communion elements. Yes. Some of us in this room, you've been in a dark season and you thought God had given up on you. You thought God can't do anything. You feel like you're in a checkmate. It won't work out. That's not where you're at. That's not where you're at. Someone has said, my ways may twist and turn and my heart may throb and ache, but in my soul I'm glad I know God makes no mistakes. Though Night be dark and it may seem that day may never break. I'll pin my faith, my all in him. God makes no mistakes. That's you. You're in a dip. You've been hurt. You've been in a season and you say, God, I need to be healed. I, I, I need God to I need God to give me a Manasseh today. I need to be healed. My heart, my memories. If that's you, and it seems right to you, I'm going to ask you right now to step out and come here and share communion with me right here in the front. You just come down to the front if that just seems right to you. Yes, God bless you. 
God bless you, yes. You know what it represents. You know the betrayal, the hurt, the disappointment, the unanswered prayer. You just come and we're going to take communion together. Just move right in front of one of our prayer team persons right here. We're going to take communion, then they're going to pray for you in just a moment. Yes, it's not checkmate now. It's not checkmate. God's not giving up on you. Thank you. You come. Yes, you come. You come. Thank you. You come. You come. Yes. You come. God bless you. Spirit, you come. Yes, you're welcome. You come. Hmm. Let me lead you in communion. These elements represent the body and the blood of the Lord. Let me pray over them. Heavenly Father, at this sacred moment, I hold the bread and the cup representing the body and the blood of Christ. And it reminds us that we have forgiveness and restoration, hope, life, healing. Oh, God, you came to set us free from the prison bars of depression, disappointment, hurt. And there are people standing here at this altar, and they're asking you for their Manasseh today. There's a word, there's a moment, there's a date, there's an experience that seems to reverberate and echo in their heart. God, heal them today in the name of Jesus and give them their Ephraim. I thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. This represents the broken body of the Lord. Would you take together? represents the new covenant in Jesus' blood. He saves us. Let's take together remembrance of him. You can put the cup, prayer team, just take that cup from them and set it right on the edge of this platform. And now I'm going to ask the prayer team people to begin to pray with people right now. Our worship team is going to come. We're going to go into a moment of altar time, visitation time, healing time. Holy Spirit, come into this room. Holy Spirit, come into this room. We're a spirit-filled church. It's all right to pray in the spirit. You can join me. Balcony and main floor. It's all right. We're a spirit-filled church. Oh, God, in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, heal. God, heal in the name of the Lord. Heal emotions and memories. God, heal the brokenhearted today. I pray in the name of the Lord. Oh, God, across this auditorium, let your presence be. God, across this audience, let your presence be. In the name of Jesus. 
in the name of the Lord. Hallelujah.